thank you, uh, first of all, to uh, Nick and then Jane and Jeff. I thought it was really interesting. I was worried for a moment that um, Jeff was going to finish on the sobering note of Blockbuster, but we'll move on to more exciting things at the end, there, which, was, which was really good. Um, <coughs> I like, first of all, Nick's point about um, user-centred design, which is probably something that I'm going to talk a bit about here. Um, and uh, the idea that Jane presented the triangle with data at the top, I thought was very, very useful. And then that last question, what is authority, um, which I think is a, is a big question. Um, I'm here today as a, uh, I work at the National Archives, and I'm going to talk about um, discovery, which is um, our network. Um, some of you may be familiar with this, may have picked up on some of our communications about it in recent months, and you'll certainly hear a lot more about it in the future. What Discovery is, and there's a screenshot, well not screenshot, the live beta version there, um, is, well it started off as our reinvention of our catalogue, moving the catalogue data that we had about records held by the National Archives um, into a new system that was future-proofed, more usable, um, and so on. Uh, and then the next phase of that, which we're well into at the moment, <coughs> is to migrate several different data sets, which you will all be variously um, familiar with, into that new platform. Those being, let's see if I can get them all in one go, the National Register of Archives, A2A, Archon, Manorial Documents Register. Now, obviously, they contain very different types of data um, compliant or relating to several different standards and then just to reel them off because you know I don't think anyone's really mentioned ISAG that much today so <laughs> if you're not tired of it yet but we've got ISAG, ISAR, A2A has got well it's ISAG but it's in EAD format or XML and we've got uh, is DIA, International Standard for Describing Institutions with Archival Holdings which makes up the Archon data set now, within that, A2A has got data from over 400 repositories. The National Register of Archives has got something like, um, well, it's got, it represents roughly 2,500 repositories, plus all of the private collections where we don't list where they're held, but you can contact us and we can tell you. So the, the amount of data was enormous. Um, but I'm slightly reticent to say, oh look, we've got 32 million hits in here now, because as Jeff said, if you get, get 10,000 hits back, it's the question of how do you find what you're looking for? And that's been so important in what we've been building in Discovery in the past year or so. so there's a couple of things. So that's where we are, or where we've been going, and where we're going to go in the future is to open that system up to gather more data, to expand the reach of the system that we have, so that the A2A data, which I'm sure you may know, um, is a pretty static data set that stopped expanding in about 2008. Now the eventual goal is to refresh that where necessary, um, extend it to more than the 400 archives who are within it, um, and expand that data to catch up in various instances where um, a lot of cataloging work has gone on. And I know in TNA, for example, in the last six, year, six years, there have been hundreds of thousands, probably millions, if Joan is in the room, of new catalogue descriptions. And I know that will be true around the country. So there's a lot more metadata to capture. The trouble is, of course, 
getting it in the system, making it usable and understandable to people, to recognise what a name authority is. In this room, name authority has some kind of currency as a term, but to our users, and I saw this uh, firsthand last week, uh, it doesn't really mean much, and it's, you know, you have to explain it to them in terms which they understand. You use the example of Wikipedia. At the bottom of every Wikipedia page, there's authority control. It's there. It's in our daily use of data and the internet. But it's conveying the ideas and the format of data that we have using the standards and that user-centered design to, to promote and to facilitate access. So the example that I'm going to do here, um, I, I always do Churchill as well. So uh, Jeff, uh, <laughs> there's some of the thunder there. Um, we know from uh, some of our web analytics that the most common search terms are one or two words, usually a name. So John, John Smith, Mike, Grandad, these are incredibly popular search terms and people expect to be able to find information from that. Um, another thing that people do, and I saw again this last week we did some user testing, people want to find something out about the First World War and a relative. They know a name of the relative, but they type in war and then the name of that person, or First World War. Now the system, of course, is looking for through the metadata. It doesn't blindly know that that person is looking for a date range. Um, they might not be. They might be looking for records which mention the First World War. Um, so it's about finding that right answer. And that's something that we're going to do some more of, is where there are searches where we know or what we think we know what people are looking for, we're going to try and help them out more. And that's directing people to research guidance and also to authority content where we, where we have it. Um, so I've searched for Churchill and I've got now 40,000 results, 10,000 of which at the National Archives and 29,000 at other archives. Now this now contains A2A data, so it's commonplace for people to search on our system and find more hits that are outside of this building, um, which you cannot access here, obviously. 40,000 hits, where do I go from there? Now I can click on the National Archives. On the left-hand side, you'll get the new set of filters. You'll be able to drill down. Again, that's not necessarily a very common behavior. Just looking through the, the hit lists, you might be lucky and you get the most relevant hit at the top. But with that many hits, it's not likely. Experienced users can browse directly from there, or you can do a date range. So you might not be looking for Winston Churchill, the person. You might be looking for the place Churchill, or another Churchill, historically. There. You click straight away, 1100 or 1300. It's not very likely to be about Winston Churchill, unless it's a, a metadata error, which is quite possible as well. Um, <laughs> and and we, we, we have experience at TNA, and with other data sets of all kinds of crazy things about where people have used fields in imaginative ways. I would rather say imaginative than wrong, because uh, <laughs> you know, if you don't quite know where to put something, put it in the note field, or you've done a literal transcription of what the date says. So if the date says um, 31st of uh, February, you know, people transcribe that. This breaks discovery, it doesn't like that, it doesn't think it's a real date, so we have to sort of translate that. And then there are other cases where historically the date was an accurate date, but the system doesn't think it was. Calendar changes and so on. 
filtering by other archives, you can do this. And then you start to think, well, actually, there are places where I might want to go to find particular information. Now, that's the kind of ISAG full catalogues, huge amounts of data, and it's only going to grow. So as TNA begins to accession digital collections, um, the, the numbers of millions will go up exponentially. So I think, I don't know how many records there are in the LOCOG accession, for example, but I think it's millions um, in just one single collection, uh, millions of files. How do I get into that? Well, we have authority content. What do we call that? We've changed this several times. At the moment, it's, it's record creators. But this is this sort of index terms. This is the digital realization of those index cards, which I, I liked um, Jeff's picture of, because I <laughs> still have those hanging around, some of which um, may have not made it on yet. Um, and that's certainly true of the manorial documents register, which isn't all online, but we're making great headway with that. Several counties on the go at the moment, hopefully done in the next few years. So I'm starting to get this distinction of, well, I'm not looking for Churchill the person, there's Churchill charity, Churchill parish. Ah, so I'm looking for a place. I can refine by place. I can refine by the type. So I'm actually looking for a business that's got Churchill in the name. So again, that authority content. And this, it all depends on standards. So at the moment, these <coughs> name authorities are derived from the National Register of Archives. Um, but it's certainly an ambition long-term to be able to expand that reach to have more authority content. It doesn't, for example, currently have the National Archives' own catalogue name authority in there, and I'm happy to admit that. It's <laughs> proven difficult to, to merge those two. So you've got a sense that you can actually drill down into this little bit. Person, just from that one keyword of Churchill, I'm getting down to a level where I'm starting to see recognisable hits. Now, the challenge with this particular search is that people have an expectation, as soon as you have the word person, that they're going to be able to find the person that they're interested in. Um, and to convey to people that the indexing of the name authorities don't represent every person who's ever lived or is represented within an archive catalogue is quite a challenge, I think. But from here, you get the idea that these are quite prominent people. And somewhere down here, of course, is Winston Churchill. This is all ranked by relevance, which is unfortunate, but I could have sorted it by alphabetical, and I could just, again, by gender, find who I'm looking for. <coughs> but you've got this, this um, from this mass down to the particular. And then, of course, the last question, which um, any researcher might want to know, is where do I go for the records? You know, I found the thing or the representation of the thing online. Um, it's not probably digitised. Um, it certainly won't be if you're searching in our, or any of the aggregators, perhaps. I'm not sure. In A2A, there are some images. Where do I go? Well, from any one record, let's do another archive. So this is a, a detailed view here. You've got the record presented within its hierarchy. You can click on there and it will take you to um, an archives contact details page, which is that ISDIA standard that I was talking about earlier. This is the ISAG hierarchy. Um, at the moment, we're only displaying description date held by. It's not got the reference or any of the other metadata, so don't think <coughs> that there's some um, stuff missing, because there probably is. So um, there's another example, which is about helping people find what they want. Um, 
and you saw from that, that Churchill example, it's a lovely hierarchy of records um, from the, the collection title down to the subphones or whatever you want to call it, down to the series, subseries, file, item even. Um, that's all fine, but a lot of people don't understand hierarchies. They don't understand that you can browse an archive to get from the general to the specific, or indeed from the spe specific up to the general, go sideways, and so on. So I've done this search for Sackville Memorial, Knoll Street. Sackville is a family, uh, Knoll is a place in Kent, and I want Memorial Streets. So it's a very particular search, I know, not necessarily representative <laughs> of real life. But what you get here is you get 29 results. Now, the metadata hasn't changed from A to A whatsoever. It's still the same ISAG catalogue. But in A to A, the same search, you got two hits. Now, you think that's a bit weird. But <laughs> the answer to that is quite simple, really. If I click on one of these, it's got a lovely hierarchy. Um, and this is to do with how we index records, which is really, I think, probably the most important thing helping people find things, and it's what Google are obviously very, very good at. Um, I've got a street which has come from there, Knoll, which has come from there, Sackville, and then, or there or there in fact, and Manorial. So the way we index things is to take the title from every level, drop down to the level below it, and also, if there is no title, which is incredibly common, where there's no title but a reference, um, or there's no title and there's a description, Again, people use these variously. If there's no title but there's a description, we use the first 15 words of that description. We don't use the whole description from every level because then everything would find everything for a search. <coughs> so we drop all of those down. So you get, in a sense, a fuller picture, more results. Um, and that means that people will have to do, on the in the first instance, less browsing. Or they'll appreciate that there are more relationships between records. And then you could sort this by, you know, if you're an advanced user, <coughs> sort it by reference, which doesn't quite work. You've got a list like this. You've got all your street <coughs> roles. And that's that kind of old-fashioned long list of things which people still like. They like the idea that you can replicate online somehow that ability to flick through things quickly and rule out what you don't want. Um, again, with... Um, the previous system, you wouldn't have been able to do that as easily, or you'd have to have been more experienced from the outset to do that. So we've got that as a concept, is to, to, to try and index the records better, um, make the most of this hierarchy, because that hierarchy is fantastic. Now, I could go into other catalogues where it's just all bunged in flat. You would find that, but you'd have to do a lot more reading of things uh, to be able to get that. People think often that the results, is, that's the end, that's the thing, and they don't go anymore. They take the reference or they email an inquiry. They don't, they don't recognise that you have to click through there, and that there are actions beyond that point to actually access the record. Every single records details page will have a, um, a box for users to tag the records. Um, when we first rolled out tagging on TNA's <coughs> records, there was perhaps... Um, a lack of clarity or knowledge about what we wanted to ask people to do. But I think that the way uh, crowdsourcing has gone in the past few years, uh, certainly the successes of the um, 
through a lens project, the uh, pictures online, and then re most recently the Unit War Diaries in partnership with Zooniverse has sort of realised that potential a lot more. So every page will have the ability to tag, and perhaps we'll be able to target people to particular things. How am I doing for time? Nearly done. Yeah, I'll just wrap up. Um, <coughs> so the future of that is um, we want to make the use maximum use out of the data that's there. We've already evolved it so that we can get more out of something that's seemingly exactly the same, 10 times, 13 times as many hits. Um, we've got more filters, we've got more of all of these things. So the future is going to be to try and evolve that with your help, really. And from lunchtime today, there'll be a few iPads if people want to play on the system. And then after today, um, we'll be in touch more when this is going to be um, shared more widely. And in fact, it's available if you want to copy down the URL, you can. <laughs> so thank you. That's me done. This podcast is copyright to the National Archives. All rights reserved.